Grab your mug and take a chug He's about to spill the tea Saucy chatter on subject matter It's just between you and me Sit on back and hear him yak It's gossip to a tea It's cup of joe Cup of joe Hey everyone and welcome back to the Cup of Joe Show, a podcast about all things I'm obsessed with from Real Housewives to RuPaul's Drag Race and everything in between, plus the candid celebrity interviews you won't find anywhere else. I'm your host, Joe Drake, and this week I am so excited to welcome one of my favorite TV personalities of all time. He is a tastemaker, a retail enthusiast, stylist, Emmy Award winner, and a New York Times bestselling author. Please welcome to the Cup of Joe show, Mr. Carson Cressley. Oh, you forgot Nobel Peace Prize winner. Oh, oh wait, I, no, did. Yeah. I did. That, that hasn't happened yet. That's the one accolade you haven't achieved yet. Yet. Yeah, I'm working on it, though. I mean, you probably deserved one during the Queer Eye days. Oh, well, uh, yeah, sometimes, I mean, some kind of, um, maybe some kind of badge of honor for, um, you know, going into some of those straight guy apartments. They were a little scary. Yes. Well, we'll get into that. But first of all, how are you May 2021 after one of the craziest year and a halves of anyone's life? All of our lives. Uh, I am, I cannot complain because, um, I'm sure like everybody else, we're all kind of over it and we're a little like um, COVID exhausted, but um, uh, we have to keep things in prior in in perspective. Um, You know, I've been healthy. I've been able to work. uh, I've been able to be around my family. I have a farm in Pennsylvania where I am right now. So uh, when things were going down in New York, I came here. So it's been really, um, very different, but also in some ways, you know, it's been a terrible year, but in some ways, some good things have come out of it. So it's, it's, I cannot complain. That's great. That's actually a really good answer. Not that I'm surprised, but I I, I guess, like you said, it, it puts things into perspective of like what we're grateful for and what we mm-hmm. prioritize. And you just sort of have to focus on the positive and not dwell in the daily negatives because there's a lot to dwell in. So, right. But I feel like we're almost out of the woods now. Um, you know, hopefully everybody's getting vaccinated and, um, you know, things are coming back to life. You know, I do a lot of like gay prides and different like parades, and Miss Universe and all these like big, like, you know, crowd kind of based events. And uh, it'll be exciting for those to come back because I do love working with an audience. Yes. Do you have plans for Pride events this year? Because I've seen a lot of my friends here in the city say, because they're saying sort of, you know what, the beginning of July is the general ballpark of when things are opening up. Right. And a lot of my friends are like, that's homophobic. Pride is June. (laughs) Right. How dare you delay? How dare you Uh, delay us again? I am... uh... I mean, pride is always really important and um, we always need to, um, you know, celebrate how far we've come and also be aware of, you know, all the work we still have to do. Um, And for me, pride is kind of like all year long. Um, Right. You know, we can have we can have pride in July or August or whenever. 
And I don't really have like big pride plans because we don't know what's going to happen yet. So I'm, I'm just taking it day by day, but you know, I got my rainbow flag at the ready. At the ready, just in your back pocket, ready to ready for a a drag race reveal at any time. (laughs) Always. Well, we were talking just before we started, you are at your beautiful farm in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. which has probably been such a lovely, well, I feel like it's always been a lovely place for you to go, but especially during the past year and a half. Yeah. Have you, have you enjoyed the sort of rest and relaxation out there? I I have. I mean, I'm so used to, and I think like a lot of us, um, I was kind of addicted to being busy. Yes. Um, and I love, you know, if you've ever seen the Joan Rivers documentary where she has her like physical date book <laughs> that she likes to keep filled, I'm the same way. Yes. And I was just like, oh, there's an opening on Thursday, May 14th. I've got to fill that up. Now I'm just kind of like, it's okay to stay home. Uh, you kind of exhale a little bit. And I've, you know, I've been enjoying my horses, my family, um, learning to cook. Um, just a little bit, um, reprioritizing what's important and realizing that you don't kind of always have to be running and be busy all the time to feel, I guess, satisfied or like you're doing something. Right. Uh, so, so that's been good for me. You said this morning that you were working, where were you working? In the barn. Um, Yeah, I do. Um, we have a bunch of horses here. My family has had this farm um for like a hundred years and I have a house that's next to it but we have I think 25 horses gosh I don't care wow um so I help take care of them and um I muck out stalls and you know sometimes groom them and ride them and it's really um I love it because so much of my work is like you know you'll tape a show and then you leave location and like it doesn't air for like another year right so I feel like I haven't done anything so in the morning when I get up and I go muck out like my eight stalls, um, I see them dirty and then I see them clean and then they're perfect. And the little horse goes in and it's their fluffy little bed. And that's very gratifying to me as crazy as that sounds, but no, I'm real, sure it is. Yeah. Seeing real work happen um, is um, yeah, it's good. Well, uh, I mean, you like being busy, but you're keeping yourself busy in, in the barn, I guess. I, yeah, I have been, yes. <laughs> I love that. Well, something that people have been doing that don't have barns during COVID, mm-hmm. they've been redecorating their homes because it was a project they could do without leaving. Right. I feel like people have been left up to their vices. Oh. And things may have gone one way or the other. Or I've seen family and friends do things without the expert advice of people like Carson Kressley. Yeah. And I'm like, why did you, who did you talk to about this? <laughs> you did not consult yeah. anyone. I do. Um, I do think there's been a lot of hope. <clears throat> I love home renovation projects. And I do think there's been a lot of them because yes, we have been stuck at home, but also um, we're using our homes more than ever. And even for me, I was just like, gosh, I hate my dining room. And I never really used it that much because I didn't eat at home. And then I started having, you know, my family over for dinner. And I was like, gosh, this is my least favorite room in my house. It's super boring. Uh, I'm going to redecorate it. So I think a lot of people did that. And um, I think a lot of people got inspired, which is wonderful. 
And um, sometimes I think some of the internet tutorials and some of the Instagram stories make it look so easy. And I see people like putting up, you know, wall paneling and like right. stuff. Going up. No, this is like a bad episode of, <laughs> of um, trading spaces where they glue straw onto your wall. Don't do that. Keep it simple. Right. Um, so I applaud people. But yes, there have been some moments where people um, maybe did a bad thing at home that they didn't realize wasn't going to turn out great. I think there's a show idea here that we should talk about. It should be you going into homes of people that have messed up and need and need like a little bit of a reconfiguration yeah i think that actually is a good idea um home reno redo something like that something well you've been working on open house on nbc i have yeah i love that show yeah tell people about that uh well it's a show where you basically just look at real estate and it's you know it's (laughs) it's the kind of apartment and real estate that you know i can't afford um, so it's fun looking at it. And I do that in my personal life all the time. I'm constantly like on Zillow and uh, I think it's called Redfin yes. or whatever. And I'm just, you know, looking at real estate all over because I'm planning my escape to like, you know, a sleepy Southern town someday. So I'm constantly <laughs> looking at like Birmingham, Alabama, but Open House New York does the same thing. They do it in these amazing apartments all over New York City. And they said, oh, would you like guest host an episode, which um, is airing right now. And I got to go to like this $39 million penthouse on the Upper East Side. Wow. And, uh, it was just so fun um, looking at the apartment and snooping around and um, for seeing, you know, how um, I guess the really, really rich people live. It was right. fun. What's like the end result of that show? Just to sort of like gawk at the gawk at the fanciness or? Uh, you know, I think it's a, it's the end result is to, um, I guess, really share like these like dream apartments that are for sale. Right. So, oh, so yeah. I, sort of like the Zillow porn thing that people are into. Yeah, exactly. Like the voyeurism uh, aspect of it all. <laughs> yeah. meets a little bit of like lifestyles of the rich and famous because nobody can really afford any of the apartments. Right. I love that. Well, something else you've been doing in... Uh, the last few months is hanging out with your friend Sonia Morgan. I have, yeah, I love Sonia. I um, I know a lot of the Housewives. I know you're a Housewives fan, and yes. uh, people are like, "Oh, are you a big fan of the show?" And I'm, I'm like, I'm a fan-ish. You know, I catch it when I catch it. But um, I've just done so many projects with the different ladies over the years, or right. become friends with them just because. Uh, I live in New York and they're like at the same thing. So I did do a little project with Sonia Morgan for Food Network and Discovery Plus, where we watched people cooking at home and um, kind of, you know, gasped at all of their cooking disasters. (laughs) And we're terrible as well. I mean, she's got a toaster oven and I, you know, can barely cook a chicken. But um, that was really fun. I love hanging out with her. She's like my, you know... She's my spirit animal, my doppelganger, like my yin to my yang. Um, and then um, I just did a thing with Dorinda and I'm love her. Luan. Yeah. Uh, I just kind of know all of them. I did The Apprentice with Kyle. Um, oh, that's right. I befriended Cameron on Watch What Happens Live from Dallas. Um, I just, I don't know, somehow I travel in the same circles. So I've become friendly 
with a lot of the um, Real Housewives, mostly of New York. A lot of them love the gays. Let's put it that way. Yes, yes, they do. They do. Um, so yeah, it makes sense. But you don't really watch any of the cities? I do. I do. I just, I don't plan enough. Like I'm not like a, I'm not a disciplined TV watcher. Okay. Where I'm just like, oh, Real Housewives of New York. It's on, you know, it was on last night. Right. I'm just not that organized. So then I catch it up in binges. Right. Um, you kind of have well, to be organized with the housewives because it's at, at at any given point there's like three or four franchises on oh at, at, at the same time it's like a lifestyle like it could be a full-time <laughs> job like keeping track of all of them i mean it is i mean yeah you're you're keeping track of your 25 horses in a barn i'm keeping track of 25 housewives yeah i haven't even seen the um salt lake ones but i heard that was good too oh. It's good, Carson. I will tell you, it's not my favorite, but I do uh-huh. think I do think it's worth a watch, especially knowing that you know all the New York ladies. What the Salt Lake City ladies, right? Don't, in my opinion, don't feel like they knew each other before. It feels cast, right? Whereas New York, yes, it was cast, but from the early days even to now, you get the idea that they've crossed paths many times or there are actual friendships in there. Right. Yeah. They definitely have a history. Yes. Uh, because there'll be an episode be like, remember we went to St. Bart's in 1991. <laughs> right. um, anyway. We did a, we did a, a charity event in St. Bart's. In 1974. Remember we were both toddlers. Uh, <laughs> totally. no, they do have a lot of history and uh, same with Beverly Hills. I find like, um, they mostly know each other. Right. You spend a lot of time in uh, Palm Beach, yes? I have. Yeah, I love it there. It's my um, it's the, my escape. I think we need a Housewives of Palm Beach. They're talking about bringing Miami back, which I think will happen. But I oh. think there's, there's a... Absolutely. Well, I, there's something in Palm Beach that's brewing. Don't yeah. you think? That's Tinsley country. So they they could have her kind of be the ringleader. But yeah, Palm Beach has always been like a very like old snooty kind of area. But now it's um, having this very young renaissance where a lot of like young families are moving there. And um, like, you know, people like Tinsley, I guess, like, you know, um, younger women and a lot of like young, chic, stylish moms. So I think there's probably definitely a um, there's definitely a lot of fodder there for a great show. So right. we'll have to text Andy and we're going to have sex. Yes. Do you feel uh, having been on Clear Eye and sort of being a pioneer of the reality TV days? Mm-hmm. Do you feel do you feel like it's hard to watch to keep up with it because reality TV has become such a huge genre? Or do you just dive in and you love it? Oh, I just dive in and I love it. I mean, there's most, I mean, a lot of good shows on TV, the really compelling ones that we love to watch are reality TV. It's just kind of like, it's part of the landscape of television. Um, So yeah, I just dive in and enjoy it. You know, I feel like I get all of my like good juicy reality TV mostly on the networks or like cable channels. Right. And then for my scripted series, you know, I just, you know, binge on Netflix. Yes. I mean, there's so much to watch. So much to watch. There's just, 
not enough time. You know, I, I'm I'm so behind. People are like, gosh, did you see Ozark? I'm like, no, I'm only <laughs> right. on the first season. Right. Um, I did manage to get all of Bridgerton done. I uh-huh. watched all of Pose, which I love. Oh, I'm obsessed. Are you watching season three? No, I know it just okay. started like two Sundays, May 1st. I see the ads. Right. <laughs> I, I memorize when they're going to air. And then, of course, you know, I'm like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm not home or something. And then I no, I've only something. I've only watched the first the premiere episode of this season. So I'm too behind as well. Right. But, but how good I, is that show? I love Post. <clears throat> it took me a while to get into it. Now it's like kind of a late adopter. And then I was working on a show in uh, Austin, Texas for a month. And I was, you know, sequestered at the Four Seasons, which is uh, not a bad thing to happen (laughs) to one. Right. And um, I caught up on all of Pose. And it's just, I felt like I knew all of those people. And it was so reminiscent of my time when I had first um, um, moved to New York City in 1991 um, there was just a lot that resonated with me. And I just, um, I'm in love with each one of them. I love that. Were you aware of the ballroom scene when you moved to New York? No, no. Um, I moved to New York City in 1991. And the place that I would go and I would like, you know, surreptitiously enter was um, Splash at 50 West 26. Yeah, that's that's where I that that was some of the one of the first bars I went to when I moved here. Yeah, I would I would sneak in there like, you know, like it was like so, you know, uh, dangerous or sketchy, but it wasn't at all. (laughs) uh, But that was I, I, you know, I knew about like we went to big clubs, you know, like the Palladium and USA and the tunnel. um, But I didn't know about this whole um, ballroom scene that was going on uptown which, you know, I guess for me was very, very underground because I had no idea. And then, you know, movies like Paris is Burning and even, um, you know, Madonna and Vogue and um, uh, Blonde Ambition, like that kind of shed a light on it. Uh, But I didn't really know it while it was happening. Yeah, that's why I'm glad shows like, I mean, obviously Paris is Burning is like the quintessential, but also we we need more than just one, you know, documentary about it. The fact that there is a a uh, fiction drama on uh, FX or on just national television is huge. Yeah. You know, because if you, Carson in 1991, didn't know of the ballroom scene in Harlem, Linda in Des Moines, Iowa, didn't either. You right. know no, exactly, exactly. Were there other um, you bringing up splashes now? Just making me think of all like the the fun things that I remember right. from when I first moved to New York. Were there places that you miss that are closed? Because another thing that we're dealing with with COVID is like so many places have just shuttered. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, I was I was lamenting, you know, places closing even before COVID. Even before, uh, right. You know, because uh, whether it's the internet or online dating or, or just the economics of doing business in Manhattan, uh, there were so many places that have gone by the wayside. I mean, we had a gigantic club, which some people loved and some people hated, called the Roxy. Did you ever go to the Roxy? I didn't. I missed the Roxy and I'm pissed uh, about it. 
oh my gosh, it was like, it was like, there should be a mini, I've got to call Ryan Murphy. God, there's so much we have to do, Joe. There is, but let's um, get out the notepad. <laughs> um, but uh, the Roxy was like literally like the size of like, I don't know, a football field, a gay club with the most beautiful people, men and women, mostly men, mostly with their shirts off, uh, dancing to like intense music. And you would go like at midnight Right. And you would wait in line. And if you were lucky, you would, you know, they would say, oh, you come through. And that, that didn't happen to me. Um, <laughs> oh, so they, this was one of the places that they like plucked people from the line to go in first? Well, there was a big line, but if you were really hot or something, you got like a gold card and you could, you know, skip oh the line and not pay. Again, that didn't happen to me. Even <laughs> They were lovely, but um, that was not, I was not a chosen one, <laughs> but it was just such a fantasy land. To see, you know, to come from like almost, you know, Amish country in Pennsylvania and to see these, you know, I, you feel like you're like alone, you know, when you move to New York City and then right. walk in this building and you're like, wait, there's like 10,000 gay guys that live here um, dancing with their shirts off being hot. So it was like a, it was like a candy land. Yeah. But the best, the best, and it was torn down to be condos or something, but one of the <laughs> best stories. I have about the Roxy is that after Queer Eye had debuted in 2003, I was still going there. And then I had a gold card. I was going to say, did you get that uh, gold card? <laughs> I, she did. She did. Uh, and um, somehow I was writing a column for Us Weekly about, you know, pop culture or something. And um, I had befriended Liz Rosenberg, who was a publicist for Cher and Madonna. Mm -hmm. And um, fabulous, you know, uh, fabulous uh, PR executive, specifically in like the music world. And somehow through that, I got a call one day saying, oh, um, we have somebody who's going to do a surprise performance at the Roxy. See, what would happen is people like Madonna and big stars would do surprise appearances on stage at the Roxy and you'd be dancing. Oh. And then all of a sudden the music would stop and you're like, what's happening? And then, you know. Madonna would appear on stage and do like a mini set and, you're, and the gays oh. would go crazy. Um, <laughs> so they called me one night saying, Beyonce is going to perform at the Roxy. No. Would you, would you introduce her? And I said, hold on, let me think. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and it was just when she was leaving Destiny's Child. Uh, I think it was one of her first, so it was probably her first solo album that she was promoting. So uh, they had a bunch of drag queens on stage. They were dancing to Jelly. I don't think you're ready for this oh, Jelly. Yeah, Bootylicious. Bootylicious. And then I came out <laughs> on stage and they were all just like, oh, God, what does he want? Oh, and here's Carson. <laughs> I, I was just like, guys, I don't think these performers are ready for this mm -hmm. Jelly. Should we bring out the real Beyonce? And then there were some groans of disbelief. <laughs> and I'm like, no, guys, this is real. And then Beyonce comes out and the place goes crazy. Um, uh, so that was a great, you know, that to answer your question five minutes later, no, I, I miss places like that. Um, big clubs where um, fantastical things happen because I, we don't have those venues. Anymore. No. And that doesn't happen like at Starbucks. You know, it definitely does. Carson Kressley is not in, introducing Beyonce at the, the Columbus Circle Starbucks. No, no. 
That so is I such a good story. I had no idea. I have never heard that. I had no idea I Beyonce. I've but- ever, I don't think I've ever told that story. So you got a real scoop there. Oh, there's that is a total scoop. Yeah, a total scoop from the time capsule from 17 years ago. Yes. Uh, I also miss, and for your listeners, like it's so important. I love, um, if you go to my Instagram, it says I'm a retail enthusiast because I love to shop. And New York City, for me, has always had the greatest shopping in the world. So please, if you live in New York, um, go to your favorite brick and mortar stores and support them if they're open now, because we've lost um, Century 21 and Lord and Taylor, like just little places that were iconic New York uh, places, but we we can't lose Bergdorf Goodman. I can't go on if that happens. No, we've already lost Neiman Marcus at Hudson Yards. I know. What are your thoughts on the Hudson Yards shops? Uh, You know, I'm a New Yorker. I am coming up on, uh, this is my 30th year living in the city. And, um, oh, you have to have a party or something. I know, I know. It was, it was actually, yeah, it was 30 years ago, like in June. Wow. Um, yeah, when I moved, like 42nd Street was still dicey and there was still, you know, oh, don't worry, it's, it's dicey again. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> um, but Hudson Yards, yeah, when they were building that and they were going to put in all of these retail stores, I was like, oh, do we really need that? You know, because I feel like we have like the greatest, like we have Bertrand yes. Goodman and, we like to shop in boutiques and go up to Madison Avenue or go to Canal Street, like everything in between we have. And then when I went, I mean, of course, I was excited for a Neiman Marcus. I never thought I would see that in my lifetime, like it was some major cultural um, achievement. Um, but I remember walking over there being like, oh, my God, there's a Neiman Marcus in New York City. And it's on Ninth Avenue. Like if you had like taken me back in a time capsule, I would have been like, that will never happen. Right. Um, and then the stores were just also, um, you know, it was like Van Cleef and Arpels and uh, you know, like very, very expensive stores. I felt like I was in a mall in Dubai or like I was at the airport in Dubai. 100 percent. It just didn't have a New York feeling. So I think all of the locals um, didn't really respond to the way it felt. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone who really knows and understands shopping, um, I just feel like it didn't feel like home to us New Yorkers. I think a lot of tourists loved it. Um, and it's obviously a beautiful space and I wish them well, but for me, it's not. Um, uh, it's not my jam. Yeah, I was talking with friends just this past weekend about it. And because um, obviously it's sort of very desolate these days with the lack of tourism. And just right. like you said, New Yorkers aren't really embracing it. And I said, it's like the tourists, international and domestic tourists, they want to go to the brick and mortar stores. Like if you're going to go to the Nike store, why don't you go to the Soho one? Right. And if you want to go to, you know, Bergdorf Goodman, you go to Bergdorf Goodman. You don't want to go to the Zara at um, the Hudson Yards Mall, you know? Yeah, it just it just feels a little bit um, like it could be anywhere. It's anywhere. not very New York-y. Right. Yeah. Um, just going back to the Roxy thing, though, because I'm going to be thinking about that for, you know, the next several months. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know who uh the surprise performances speaking of you loving splash too you know they did that 
I think yes. they probably got, did they pick that up from the Roxy? Um, did they? Because that's what I remember is they did sort of like Kylie Minogue was there and Britney Spears was there. Right. Were they surprises? Did they just show up maybe? And then. They did, but I think it was more, it was more promotional and like people were sort of aware of who was coming. Right, right. Whereas yeah, Roxy was just like a complete surprise. Um, Roxy was, yeah, really a complete surprise. He never really promoted it. There was murmurings, you know, underground during the week because of course somebody either like knew the promoters or like knew the publicist for Madonna and would say like, we hear she's going to be there on Saturday, but it was very, uh, very um, underground. Whereas I think at Splash, it was a little bit more promotional. Uh, but I'm sure they they took a page from Roxy in doing that. And I'm sure Roxy took a page from Studio 54, right. like club culture. That was kind of something that happened um, at the big clubs. You know, people would just um, appear and do like a mini concert. Right. My friends and I are, speaking of Studio 54, Roxy, Splash, are hoping for a roaring 20s renaissance moment in New York. Do you think right. that we're going to get something like that? Because I would love, obviously you can't recreate a Roxy or even a Splash, but like you said, there's not really this sort of like big space anymore or there, you right. know, we have these smaller gay bars, but we need something to bring back that vibe. Yeah. I mean, the vibe is, you know, that that's the kind of vibe that you only get when there's like, you know, 5,000 people dancing together. It's like right. an energy field and everybody's like sweaty and happy and lovey-dovey. Um, and that happens in big spaces. So I hope that comes back. I mean, one thing to get your fix for that, um, I think Pride 2022, when we return to the pier um, yes. downtown, that will be epic and off the chain. Um, as the kids say, so buy your tickets now. <laughs> buy your tickets now for 2022. <laughs> yeah, I think that's going to be the big the big year. Um, and then I do hope that you know maybe in Brooklyn or maybe like an outdoor venue um, happens that we do get some big dance parties um, because I love that you know it's a joyous vibe um, yes. when you're at those places and it's different than just you know being out with six friends at a smaller place or watching a drag show, which are all wonderful, but it's just not the same as when, you know, a thousand people are dancing to the same song. Right. There's just something like you bring up a perfect point. There's something about that, that can only happen when there's that many people, you know? Right. When, when you were on the scene back and going to the Roxy and in introducing Beyonce, did your paths cross with RuPaul in um, those days? No, no, no. That's, um, that's where we always um, talk about this and say how we're shocked that like we didn't run into each other. Um, especially back in the early days, like, you know, in the East village with like Lady Bunny and Rue and right. um, the pyramid club you know, and we'll talk on set about, you know, you know, old memories of these places in the city. And we've all been to the same ones. We just weren't um, there at the same time. And I think um, Rue was, you know, hitting the scene uh, when I had just moved to New York. So right. he was already like famous and like a superstar from Supermodel. And I was just a little kid who worked, you know, 
at Ralph Lauren. Right. <laughs> uh, so I probably wouldn't have had access anyway. Um, but we do often talk about, you know, uh, all the same places we would, we would um, haunt in New York City. Yeah. And then we didn't actually, you would have thought like after Queer Eye, our paths would have crossed all the time and they didn't. And it oh. wasn't until like maybe 10 years ago, uh, I did a show called Skin Wars which was on the game show network and a friend of mine produced it and Rue was hosting it along with Rebecca. Oh, I remember this. Yeah. And I did an episode of that or two actually. And uh, Rue said, Oh my gosh, why haven't you been on my show? And I was like, I don't know. Let's make that happen. And um, that's when I started being a judge. And that was, um, uh, I think that was like uh, seven or eight years ago. Wow. Did you start at, or were you just a guest judge for like a couple of episodes? Because now you're such a mainstay in um, people's no, heads. I, I started as like a, a, the same, you know, uh, doing many, many episodes a season. So Got it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think wow. it was season seven, season, season six, no season seven. Wow, they really all blur together at this point because we're on season 119. I know. Praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord. Lord. I love it. I want. Yes. Um, we just crowned Simone as our yes. America's Next Drag Superstar. I'm thrilled. She was my number one from the get go. Mm-hmm. Is it fun for you to watch? Because as you as you said earlier, some of the stuff that you film and Drag Race being probably the the biggest one, you filmed that right. last year. Right. Yes. Um, so, so do you relive it and watch it as, as if you never were there? I do, <laughs> I do because um, even though I'm there, uh, for the most part, I don't get to, see, you know, we only as judges really just see the stuff that happens on the main stage. So oh, I don't right. know what's been going on. I don't know who doesn't like each other and what kind of tea and shade has been happening behind the scenes. Right. Uh, I only know what goes down on the runway. So I don't really um, have a complete, you know, picture of each of the contestants, nor have I heard their backstories or, um, or nor have I seen how they interact with the other queens. So uh, we all watch it to see that. And then we, you know, have a much more complete sense of them. But I'm glad we don't see that when it's happening because we like to keep our judging very, very objective. Um, And it's not about, you know, what they did in the workroom. Yeah. Or if they're mean or if they're nice. It's about, you know, what do they present on the runway and how well does it meet the criteria of the challenge? Yeah, I guess I didn't realize that because Rue's going into the workroom giving them advice, but the rest of you are really sort of there looking at just the presentation. Yeah, we're there to, you know, judge the, the end result of everything that's happened up until that moment. Is there someone that you remember leaving once it wrapped? Were you like, oh, I loved that person? This season? Yeah. Um, Season 13. Yeah, there were certain people. I mean, there's certain people that you resonate with. Um, I really loved um, La La Ree. I thought she had just great. um, She had like a presence. Um, I loved... um, um, well, I loved Simone. Um, yeah. She was so talented. Um, 
yeah, there, there are several. Every season, there are people that like really, really resonate with me. And they're usually not the ones that wind up winning. And the winners are all fantastic. But usually it's just, you know, a personality or a vibe like Nina West or Monet Exchange. Or, right. Uh, you know, just people that I connect with that I just, I think um, they're they're my my jam or my vibe. Yeah, I always say, and I've said it on this podcast before that, um, aside from who wins or who looks the best on Instagram, would you buy right. a ticket to their show? And La La Ri is the perfect example, regardless of the paper bag outfit. Right. I, I, I thought she brought this specific energy that was so good yes. and just burst through the TV screen. And I was like, I would absolutely pay top dollar for a La La Ri show because it's going to be high energy and you're going to leave with a smile on your face. Right. The La La Rie experience. The experience. Yes. Yes. And and many queens are fantastic and don't win um, just because it's not their time. You know, like they, they're maybe not fully realized. Maybe the timing wasn't right for them. And right. they're going to have it all. But at the moment when we were taping the show, maybe they didn't have it all together at that moment. But it doesn't mean that they're not going to be superstars. Right. How crazy is that NDA that you have to sign or, or do you, are you sort of used to being lock lipped about what happens on the driveway I'm, stage? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm used to it. I mean, just um, reality television in general, like, you know, when you're filming it and you're making it and you're living it and then you go away for six months and, you know, uh, you wait for it to be edited and come out you're kind of trained in this business that you don't talk about anything um, because, you know, you don't want to like, you know, spoil it. So almost every show um, there's a gag order, so to speak. And right. um, we're not allowed to talk about it. One thing that I, I sort of wish that world of wonder VH1 RuPaul would do is announce the cast as they go in, because now at this point, the drag race fandom is so crazy that they figure out who's there while you guys are filming. So right. I'm like, they should just announce so that we can sort of know in real time, or they should just do a full on live season, which I'm sure would be a whole different production thing. Right. right. But I would love to see them, like we've been talking about how amazing New York City is, do a season here. Yeah, I would love that too. Right? I'd love that too. Yeah. Have yeah. a live season, have them like what of course once everything is like back to normal. So again, pride 2022, but have them like go into the bars for a challenge or like right. Put, really putting an outfit deal. together in Central Park, something because drag has been such a huge thing here that I would just yes. love to see see them in their natural habitat, if you will. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that would be really interesting too, because, um, I just, um, did a panel yesterday with a, a, a bunch of the Queens and, you know, they were saying, and I've noticed this too, like drag race is different from their regular job. You know, if you're right. you great at working in a club and working with a live audience and dealing with a heckler or whatever, that's not what Drag Race is. Drag Race is a television show uh, filmed on a soundstage. Um, so it's a very different vibe. And a lot of queens have a hard time adjusting uh, their craft to this different 
it's a different medium and it's very challenging for a lot of people. It's very different from what they do probably on a day-to-day basis out in the clubs. Yeah. I remember this past season, season 13, um, the stand-up comedy challenge I was watching with a couple of my friends and they were like, Oh, this is rough for some of them. I'm like, there's no one laughing. The judges are doing their best to keep this moving, but you know, with the COVID protocols, it made it even tougher for some of these Queens, you know, there's, there's nothing worse than an empty room. And I even did like, you know, like a COVID safe, like um, appearance, uh, fundraiser and you know the tables were like 50 feet apart and the right. audience was like way far away and I was like oh my god did they hate me because like there's no sound you know right like, and there's no energy bouncing out off of people because everybody's so far away so yeah it did make things harder for them yes do you have more in in-person appearances coming up now that people are vaccinated and restrictions are lifted um I have a couple and, you know, it's, but there's still, you know, half capacity, right. uh, whatever the local rules are. And, you know, I'm, you know, like 50 feet away from people on a stage and like, you don't do meet and greets and things. So while things are slowly coming back, it's still not, um, not anywhere near the way it should, you know, needs to be. Right. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. What is the what are your summer plans now that Memorial Day weekend is coming up? And right, right. Um, I love summer. Summer is my thing. Um, uh, I do a lot of horse shows, competitions in the summer. Um, uh, hopefully, you know, I'll have some friends over here at the farm for you know pool and just barbecues and stuff like that. Horseback riding. And then um, I do like to travel. So I'm hoping that, you know, maybe I can go to P-Town this summer. Yes, I'll be there. Um, Will you? When do you go? Okay, so funnily, I've been going for the July 4th week for the past, like, decade. Oh, my God. How do you survive? Well, I I don't survive because my friends and I have now shifted it because the last time we were there, I think it was World Pride. Right. Had spilled over from New York and it was just insane. So we have since switched our week. This week we're going for bear week. Oh, wow. I went for that by accident once. Oh, so it wasn't great. My friends and I are like, no one's going to talk to us because we're not bears. (laughs) No, but maybe you'll be like, I always figure that when you go to those things and everybody's there for a certain week, if you're not the type that you'll be so like exotic that maybe they'll be into you. Yeah, there'll be a few bears that'll be looking for a cub. Yeah, just splash <laughs> a little salmon oil behind each ear yes. and you'll be fine. Yes. When when are, when are you planning on going? Uh, I like to go in August because it oh. takes till August for the water to get warm-ish. It does, there. it does. Um, do you do the, the Fire Island thing or no? I do. I do love Fire Island. And I used to have, you know, a house there. And um, now I just have friends that have fabulous houses. So I will, if there's time, I don't know why it seems so hard to get there because it really isn't. But (laughs) um, uh, if I can figure out the logistics, I will pop out there as well. I do love it. It's so beautiful there. The the beach is incredible. Yes. I'm actually looking forward to Fire Island uh, both Cherry Grove and the Pines more than P-Town this year, which it's usually the opposite for me. Right. But there's something about 
I didn't go to Fire Island last summer because of everything, but it'll be enjoyable to sort of just go with friends that are vaccinated in our house, hang out by the pool, very relaxed, not feeling like we have to do anything. Um, And I feel like that's going to feel like the most comfortable. Whereas Piton will still, I I believe they'll still have some restrictions. I don't think tea comes back till August. All of those sort of mainstays may not be as normal till the end of the summer. Yeah, and so, it does. I, I agree with you. It'll probably still feel a little crowded there, and a little um, crowds still make me nervous. I'm, I'm we're so programmed to think that crowds are bad. Um, that's right. going to take a while to get over that, even when it's deemed safe. Yes. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming on and chatting with me. It was my pleasure. I loved it. I hope that we can hang out soon. Now that I know the world is back. I know. We'll have to make something happen. If it's not in the city, I'm coming up and seeing one of those horses because your property looks gorgeous. Thank you. Well, um, you come and see us. I've got one with your name on it. Sounds good. I, I would love to. Perfect.